0: new Comics Day, Wednesday, June 10th, 2015, and you're listening to God in Comics, the show where the hosts dress even more colorfully than the characters they discuss. On today's show, Women in Comics. We'll talk about how women have been portrayed in comic books through the years, and discuss some of our favorite female characters. Are comics sexist? Is that changing? What impact does the increasing number of female creators and fans have on comics? And which one of our show's male hosts will be the first to say something stupid which he will inevitably regret? (laughs) All this, plus recommendations, this or that, and a whole lot more. I'm your host, Father Jonathan Michikin. I am rector of Church of the Holy Comforter in Drexel Hill, Pennsylvania. On the line with me today is Father Kyle Tomlin. Father Kyle, where are you?
1: I'm in Fredericksburg, Virginia, at Church of the Messiah.
0: And also on the line is Father Matt Stromberg. Father Matt, where are you?
2: I'm in Cooperstown, New York, at Christ Church.
0: Great. Well, great to have you guys uh, here today, and we've got a lot to... uh, to to cover, so let's jump right into recommendations. Father Kyle, what do you got? Uh, this week, I'm actually recommending two issues of the Batman '66 series, the
1: comic book line that is uh, DC Digital first, but that which is also based on the Batman television show from the 1960s. Uh, my recommendation is for issues number 21 and 23. And I'm recommending these issues in particular because they're doing a very interesting and cool thing with Batman '66 now, and that is they're introducing new um, non-television villains into the line. And so, in issue 21, they have introduced a, um, actually a, a manga character from the Japanese Batman comic book line, known as Lord Deathman, um, who was part of the the 1960s Batman line in Japan. Uh, they've introduced him as an official character in this series. And then in issue 23, they've introduced Solomon Grundy and Clayface into the mix. And this is going to be an ongoing thing. Um, several new issues will include Harlequin, not Harley Quinn, but Harlequin, and Poison Ivy. They've introduced 2 faces already in a lost episode format, which was an actual script that they had written but had gotten shelved and never gone to production. And they'll be introducing several other new characters along the way. So I as something new and something fresh, and, uh, and they're doing a masterful job of weaving the characters in based on existing characters, um, this is certainly two issues of Batman 66 that I would highly recommend.
0: What's the difference sure. between Harlequin and Harley Quinn?
1: Nothing except the name. They've just chosen oh. to call her the Harlequin instead of uh, Harley Quinn. Okay. Giving her, I think, a more traditional-sounding
2: uh, name.
0: Well, nothing's, than, nothing's more traditional than Harlequin, so... There you go. There we are.
2: My recommendation is a graphic novel, which is an adaptation of Neil Gaiman's novella, Coraline. Neil Gaiman, of course, is well-known as, as, as a comic book writer as well as a, a writer of novels and short stories and poetry. And Coraline was adapted into a graphic novel by Pete Craig Russell, who uh, who has worked with Neil Gaiman a number of times on, on the Sandman book. He, he, he really brings this story to life in such a... It feels like it was written as a graphic novel. And so Coraline... is is, is, it's a great story it's it it's sort of in the tradition of victorian fantasies or like fairy romances it has a lot in common of course with alice in wonderland with the young uh, girl uh, who's the protagonist uh, who's who's very precocious and clever and an alice type figure who goes into this parallel world it also has a lot in common with Um, I think, with the novels of of George MacDonald, Lilith and and Fantasties and and, uh, Princess and the Goblin in particular, all of which deal with this kind of strange parallel world of of the fairy realm, which the protagonist slips into through a mirror or a wardrobe or, in in the case of Coraline, an old door. Coraline lives with her parents in this big spacious Victorian house that's been split up into different sections and so her and her family share the house with this colorful cast of characters but there's an empty flat and a doorway that that at one time led from her flat into the empty one but it's been her it's been bricked over but Coraline is an adventurous curious girl and she's always exploring and well uh, one day she opens this door and discovers that she could walk through and and she comes into this sort of parallel world which looks almost identical to to ours except you know it has this level of uh, what, what do you call it the uncanny where it's it's familiar but with a twist just strange enough and sinister enough so she meets her her other mother and her other father who who look like her parents but they have black buttons in place of their eyes and their teeth are just a little longer than they should be <laughs> you know it's a wonderful story it and strange delightful Coraline is is, is a well-rendered character Um, it's hard to write children but Neil Gaiman does a fantastic job of, of writing a young girl and it's terrifying it's really scary for a children's story I mean don't read this one before bed because it will freak
1: you out this is clearly a children's story that's not for children though
2: well, um, you could probably read it to your kids. You might you. scare them to death, but some kids <laughs> like that, you know. Hey, this there's, priest
1: recommended this terrifying story to me.
2: They're, they're, put it this way: there's nothing inappropriate. Like it's, okay. you know, it's just it's just scary, but it's not it's not overly violent or okay. doesn't have you know adult sexuality or anything like that. So
0: it's not nearly as scary as, say, the story of Noah's Ark
2: yeah yeah which which we're doing for youth sunday yeah we regularly
0: read this story to children you know here's a great right. fun story where god kills the entire world
1: <laughs> i always but, think this with samson and they blind samson right and i read that story to my daughter and she's like what's wrong with his eyes <laughs> <laughs>
0: well that's there you but, go priests have been bringing you uh, inappropriate stories for children for thousands of years so we're, we're standing <laughs> in a great tradition Okay, well, this brings us to our main discussion today, which is about women in comics. And for our main discussion, we have a a first here at God in Comics, our first ever guest on the program. Uh, Our guest who will be joining us for our discussion today is Emily Zanotti. Emily is a writer, comedian, commentator, and journalist. She blogs for the American Spectator and has recently become a senior contributor at The Federalist. She is a graduate of Ave Maria School of Law and the owner and principal of Iconoclast Media and Message. She is also a big fan of comics and comic culture and a cosplayer, having appeared in costume as Harley Quinn, Black Widow, and Rocket Raccoon, just to name a few. Emily, welcome to the program.
3: Thank you. It's exciting.
0: Yeah, and we had to um we had to explain to Father Matt what a cosplayer was. He had no idea. <laughs> He's lived a sheltered life. So
2: well, after googling it, I am no longer sheltered.
3: Yeah, no, I know. I am unfortunately too
2: experienced in the ways of the world now. <laughs>
0: Uh, so Emily tell us a little bit about yourself and and particularly about what uh, what your interest in comics is and and uh, that that sort of thing
3: I grew up in comics um, my mom is a Tolkien scholar so we pretty much grew up with The hobbit and in um, a lot of other fantasy fiction and, and that kind of uh, genre and so I've Loved comics since I was a kid. I started reading them since I was a kid. And I, uh, actually, my brother is actually more interested. He's a, actually working as his PhD in comic books. So we're kind of a comic book family I was raised in. Wow. And um, so when I, uh, when I became an adult, I guess, like I started <laughs> kind of going to comic book conventions, and eventually just started dressing up for them. And now I love to do that. That's pretty much my favorite thing to do. So I have a a huge comic book collection. I've um, obviously seen all the movies. So it's it's a huge part of my life, and it has been since I was a kid.
0: Cool. Um, And uh, one of the pieces of your bio that I was really curious to ask you about is, um, this is not really comic book related, but as a comedian, do do you do stand-up?
3: Yeah, actually, I uh, trained in the San- uh, Second City Television Writing Program oh, and wow. Comedy Writing Program, and uh, did stand up for a while. But now I like I prefer not being in front of people or you know talking to people in any way, <laughs> 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 public at
1: all. <laughs> That's how I
0: feel too.
3: <laughs> so I uh, I do more of the comedy writing and the funny writing for things like The Spectator and The Federalist. <laughs>
0: Ah, okay. So this would explain why I could not find any YouTube clips of your, of your stand-up.
3: I have them, I just don't post them. <laughs> Plus, they're yeah. usually just, uh, just stand-up jokes about my family, my crazy Italian family, so. <laughs>
1: what kind of comic books were you into when you were growing up?
3: Uh, primarily the X-Men. I okay. collected lots of X-Men comics. Um, I'm also an early adopter of guardians of the galaxy. So when uh-huh. movie came out, I wasn't like stumped as to what this like weird little raccoon guy was. Um, I have been a fan of guardians of the galaxy for a long time. My brother and I have also always loved Batman. He likes Batman. I tend to err on the side of the villains probably more often than, the <laughs> <right> heroes. <laughs> but, um, but those are, those are my favorites. Yeah.
1: What's he doing his PhD work on?
3: Uh, graphic narrative. So, okay. um, the use of, uh, I guess, visual art in, in order to convey sort of a literature-type uh, message. So basically, um, you know, like Watchmen and some of these other long-form comic books that are actually works of literature, so I'm working on a Ph.D. on that.
0: Yeah,
2: interesting.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. Cool. Well, welcome. Thanks. So, uh, we want to talk about women in comics, and which is a, a pretty wide topic, and there's a lot of directions that we could go in with it, um, and I'm also sort of aware, just as we begin this conversation, of even a little bit of how strange the idea of this as a topic is, because um, would we do a show on men in comics, you know? <laughs> um, in and of itself, there's, there's a suggestion there that there is something different about uh, how women are portrayed. So that's certainly something that we want to talk about. I thought we might begin, though, with uh, a little bit of discussion about some of our favorite female characters, um, which also may lend itself to talking a little bit about why we like those characters. Who would like to, to jump in first?
1: Well, I will. I, I will say, in terms of my favorite uh, female characters, uh, Barbara Gordon's Batgirl has always been probably my favorite. I know it's probably from the Batman guy here, expected that I would say that. Yeah. Um, but I've always enjoyed her character. And I actually really liked Cassandra Kane as Batgirl when they did that in the um yeah. 1990s into the early 2000s I thought that was she was an excellent character and unfortunately she sort of fizzled out towards the end and has now disappeared with the reordering of things in the DC universe but I've always been intrigued by Barbara Gordon I thought that she was a uh, I thought that she she had an interesting background and um, interesting relationships with Batman and Robin and uh, was just a very strong character on her own
2: one of my favorite characters has, has always been the uh, the black cat from, from Spider-Man. You know, I, I mean, she 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 gets a lot of flack for being some derivative of, of Catwoman, um, but I, I think I, I probably was familiar with the black cat long before. She and Spider-Man were a, a team, really, uh, when... My earliest kind of spider man memories it was, was were uh, of spider man in the black suit alongside felicia hardy it's, it's the black cat and uh, I thought she was an interesting character in that she would have been a villain if not for her affection and her love for for spider man uh she w- she started off as a villain and 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 got involved with spider man that way and just you know fell in with him because she wanted to get close to him she liked peter parker but she or spider-man but she didn't want to have anything to do with peter parker yeah <laughs> um she you know like uh, you know he he would try to spend time with her as peter parker and she'd be like you know i'm just i'm just bored by you you know like mm-hmm. let's let's go out and like hop on oh, rooftops <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she liked the, the, the yeah. danger of the Spider-Man, yeah, exactly.
1: She um, was repulsed by it. I just read an issue recently, because I'm reading old um, Spider-Man issues right now from the 80s, and he took his mask off, and she was repulsed at him.
2: Yeah, there's that famous cover, right, of, of, of yeah. him uh, unmasking her, himself, and she's, like, horrified. Yeah.
0: Well, that's an old trope, too. I mean, the, the um, you know, the, the earliest character really that that has had longevity female charactering in uh in comics is probably lois lane and uh-huh. the whole dynamic there was built off of how lois was so attracted to superman while she was simultaneously so uh not horrified by clark but but uh so uh you know yeah she just looked at him as uh, you know a klutz which had a lot to do with siegel and schuster and their sort of image of themselves and and also their understanding of themselves as um jewish men you know at a time when uh. that was not considered to be very um uh, heroic or manly um, uh. so uh there's a lot wrapped up in that well emily what who are some of your favorites
3: i was actually gonna say I and mean, he's had about barbara gordon but i thought the barbara gordon's turn as oracle like mm-hmm. later on after she ends up um Hopefully, I'm not spoiler alerting it for anybody, but uh, (laughs) paralyzed by the Joker and the killing joke, and then she becomes Oracle. So this um, amazing brain, you know, she sits in in her wheelchair all day, and she basically hacks, and I I think it's just, it's fantastic to see a female character that goes from being so physically able and and fantastically, you know, a human athleticism, and then, goes an, almost in a uh, completely opposite direction and is, is just the, the brains and the tech behind so much of this. Mm. Black Widow has always been my favorite. I've always identified with the story. I think she's like, you know, I grew up in ballet. She grew up in ballet. She became a killer assassin. I am not a killer assassin, but it would be cool. And <laughs> You
1: aspire to be one.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like, like she's always had that, um, that really interesting humanity about her and she doesn't possess anything that you know people can't train and inculcate to somebody else so that's always been fascinating to me at these characters that you know, they deal with things as female and and that's something that's that's different about women in comics is that they take it other different things into consideration than your normal like superhero I also really like the villains I'm a big fan of like Catwoman and Poison Ivy and Harley mm-hmm. Quinn and a lot of these strong female villains that end up becoming huge foils both for their the loves of their lives and then also you know event, eventually for themselves so um, there's a lot of really great female characters that I grew up really liking
0: why do you like the villains so much
3: they're just more interesting I think sometimes when you get into like ah. these early days of comics the heroes always seem so flat like you know superman is the big blue boy scout and i like batman because you know he's, he's got that edge to him and that dark bit of it but i think what motivates somebody to be that bad i think is really an interesting philosophical aspect about the comics and that really appeals to me a lot hmm. why go bad
0: <laughs> as father matt and father kyle know i, I actually uh, have a, a fairly high number of uh, female characters that I, that I'm uh, that i I really enjoy reading. I would say probably at least half or more of my uh, pull list is is uh, books that have that are uh, driven by female characters. Uh, right. So I've been thinking for the last couple of days about uh, you know why is that? Um, Wonder Woman has always been my my favorite, not just my favorite female character, but really in a lot of ways, my favorite uh, superhero um, because of the complexity of her, uh, that she has the superpowers. So she's not, she's not like a character like Batman, who's just sort of from the ground up or has a lot of gadgets or something. She has the superpowers and yet she's more complex in some ways than somebody like Superman, uh, in terms of her motivations and the fact that she kind of goes between being a warrior and a peacemaker and, you know, all of these kinds of complexities that, uh, that exist within her. But one of the things that, that seems to happen with a lot of female superhero characters, at least in their origin, um, is that so many of them started out as essentially the female version of so and so, um, you know, we're going to create a female. So, um, uh, bat girl comes along to be kind of a female in the batman universe um Supergirl to be uh, a female in the superman universe um and uh that's where a lot of these characters started and yeah. yet i think today they in some cases they're telling really more interesting stories about those characters than i find about some of their uh counterparts um in part, and this is my guess, I don't know if this is the case or not, but uh, I think part of the issue here may be that because female character-led books are, are not at the top of the, the selling chart, they tend to sell less than, than the, the male-led books, uh, I think the companies have started to allow creators to do more interesting stuff with them. Uh, you know, they can kind of play with the format a little bit more. Um, and they've seen some yield to that. I mean, some books like the, the Harley Quinn book uh, that uh, Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti are writing uh, way overperformed what DC thought it was going to do. And now they're being given um, Starfire to write. And, and the, you know, it's, it's had a, a big impact on, on DC's whole new uh, rebranding. Um, but but, I do think that that's part of it is that that some of these books are doing interesting things that that they can get away with in a different sort of way. Um, I also think in some cases the characters themselves, even though they start out as these kind of here's the female equivalent of so and so, have j- enough of a difference in who they are that it's a it's an interesting different sort of dynamic. so like Supergirl has always been one of my favorite characters and in part that's because I think that while we talk about Superman being the ultimate immigrant uh, Supergirl really kind of is the ultimate immigrant because she has a memory of the world that she had lived on that Superman doesn't and and so it, it, it's not that I'm more interested in in her than in Superman but I just think that it allows for a different sort of direction
1: if you look at the female characters that came about in the 1950s like kathy kane batgirl and or batwoman and then there was uh batgirl as well and uh not barbara gordon's batgirl the first one and and supergirl at that time i think they struck a little bit more as just attempts to replicate in female form the original characters but i think Since the 1960s and 70s, I've felt like a lot of the female characters have stood on their own. You know, when Barbara Gordon came along, she clearly has her own personality and she's dynamic enough and different enough from Batman that I wouldn't say she's just an attempt to replicate Batman. And I think the same thing became true with Supergirl to an extent, although it may have taken her a longer period of time to get there.
3: Then you look at some of the more recent ones like Lady Thor. that's a totally different (laughs) like a totally different take on something you know all of a sudden jane is is sufficient to pick up Molinar, and she becomes lady thor as she's dying of cancer and i think that's a really interesting way of taking that sort of archetype of making a female that has all of the same characteristics of the male aspect of that character and putting a little twist on it giving you know, giving them their own comic book and their own situations and putting a time limit on it. So I think they're trying to do more now than just say this is Batman or this is Superman, but a female, they're trying to play around with the concept of even mm-hmm. having that archetype be different. So I, I, um, I think it's pretty right. It's, there are more comics for women. I always worry, I think when I go into a comic book store that if you talk about comics for girls or a comic that is appealing to girls that it's always some sort of like radical feminist like no good storylines, no good, <laughs> good characters, it's just girl power. But I think that that's changing. I think people are starting to realize that women like good stories and good characters and these traditional characters as well.
2: Mm-hmm. In the old days, the idea of publishing a comic book for girls would be like uh, Millie the Model, you know? Right. But But, you know, and, and they just clearly weren't as interesting as the superhero books that, that you know? And um, now, I, you know, we, we live in a different era now. I mean, people people um, have a, a, a broader imagination, you know, to, to see... Um, strong female heroes in other cases i mean like um with with spider-woman they created spider-woman just so they could grab the copyright so you know so nobody else would and she's turned out especially in recent years to be a pretty uh, cool character and you know totally different from spider-man basically it's just her name that she has in common with spider-man and and you know early on those web things that they're always putting under Spider-Man's arm that they always leave off <laughs> by accident. You know, she had those, too. <laughs> but, uh, it's
3: a bad costume move. <laughs> <laughs> I never
2: understood the purpose of those. Like
3: wings. <laughs> well, for,
0: well, for Spider-Woman, she actually uses them to glide. Exactly. The so exactly. I mean, a they're...
3: <laughs> they served a purpose for Spider-Woman. For Spider-Man, they were just like decorations.
1: Yeah, and they limited his arm movement. He could only go so high, and then he stuck.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird.
0: I always thought that it was just his his armpit hair, just kind of <laughs> hanging out there. He can catch
1: he can catch flies in his armpits.
0: Oh in man! <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Okay, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure how to segue out of the armpit hair thing. I don't know if anybody else does, but can we talk a little bit about the idea of portrayal of women in comics? Is there a way in which women are, are portrayed one way or the other um, that uh, that's worth noting?
3: <laughs> you don't get to wear a lot of clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, that's kind of what I was sort of trying to hint at there. <laughs> I yeah. mean, what what, uh, what do we think about that? What do we think is going on with that? Is that changing is it new or different what, what what are your thoughts
3: anybody yeah i used to think that it was a really awful type of certification like you know obviously women could never achieve that sort of body type but then when you think about it like there aren't a lot of guys who can fly or melt things with their eyes either so you know, the, <laughs> the world of comics isn't exactly like a portrayal of humanity as it is um, and I think initially, you know, it's kind of a marketing strategy—you get the guys in with these skimpy-clad women. But you know, they—they've ended up being really great characters. So I have a hard time just saying, "Put some clothes on, <laughs> like Starfire." <laughs>
0: <You know>? Well, <laughs> Starfire, I—you know—I find it difficult sometimes when that that kind of um, oversexualization exists. Uh, to sell a book that is not necessarily that way on the inside. So take something like, like I really enjoy, for instance, uh, Gail Simone's Red Sonia. She's sort of in a a medieval world uh, and she's kind of a warrior. And so the book is, is about that. Um, And, and yet the covers of the issues uh, are always these like, (laughs) yeah. <laughs> ridiculous poses that she's in wearing almost no clothing and you kind of go you know i want to read this but i'm embarrassed to go to the counter in the store and buy it. <laughs>
1: especially with your clergy collar yeah, on. yeah
0: exactly huh? right like you know i don't want to like i mean cause a scandal for the community if i buy this comic book so
2: uh, and those characters like um Power Girl, who um, you know, <laughs> yeah. I've I, I, I've never read her her, her book. I, I know uh, it comes highly recommended from Father Jonathan. But, well, um,
0: the, the book the book that I recommend is the one that Justin Gray did uh, right before the New Fifty Two. They did a run of Power <laughs> Girl. He wrote it. Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor uh, Amanda Connor drew it, and uh, it's. I, it, it it's it's much better than you would expect if you were just sort of, you know what I mean, wandering into that. But I know what you're gonna say, and I think I'm gonna agree with you. So go ahead. Yeah, I it.
2: mean, well, I, the costume. I mean, I think yeah. we could all agree is, is is among the most ridiculous in all of of comic books.
3: It's very hard to fight crime with that level of a push up bra. <laughs> <laughs>
2: wide open there it's like
3: yeah, it you know,
2: yeah. super, superman has the ass batman has the big bat and she's got you know her you know cleavage. Her, her cleavage <laughs> yes exactly Probably. that's her symbol, that's her symbol. symbol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it just it that's just good. doesn't make a bit of sense um yeah know, it doesn't
3: make it easy to be in cosplay either i've never done power girl <laughs> but you see a lot of power girls and you're like what costume can't be comfortable for anybody <laughs> fighting crime or just walking around
2: like it's um out there yeah <laughs> I, I mean they, they've made a, a a great effort recently to to give female characters more practical costumes and part of it partly it's just because the public has been sort of demanding you know this happened recently we talked about this not long ago with spider woman and her costume is much more realistic now I mean, her original suit. I mean, Spider-Man has the same sort of deal. It's like a body sock, you know. But the, the bodies of women are much more like uh, hypersexualized in, in comic books. And so, you know, the, the spandex outfit on Spider-Man Woman was a bit, you know, it was it became a bit much. And and I, I think there's a, there's a real turn away from that. To making female characters that are more than just an adolescent fantasy, you know, uh, that can be appreciated by female readers as well.
3: I think that's one of the better parts about having, you know, a female audience now for comics. I think you are starting to see like the 50s and the 60s, they looked all right, but then the 70s and 80s with sort of the more risque culture women started dropping clothes and comic books just like they did in the pages of magazines and now with women taking a more active part i think nerd culture sort of opening up more Mm. i think you know women coming into nerd culture is also an impact of like the big bang theory and so these other shows and things like that making nerd culture more accessible and when you do that then you get better costumes especially with cosplay because women want to want to portray these characters and i certainly don't want to walk around you know i'm a traditionalist catholic i don't want to walk around with my boobs hanging out all day at a comic-con <laughs> it's not my thing i don't do it uh normally so we want to see something like that more practical costumes um spider gwen has been awesome like, great headband the uh, hood and like that costume is just fantastic and i hope that they continue to make costumes like that
2: yeah
0: I think that the sexualization, or we might call oversexualization, of these characters, it is not a one-to-one ratio with how much flesh they're showing. Oh, because true. I've seen books where you've got female characters who are showing a lot of flesh. You might have also have male characters showing a lot of flesh, but they're still uh, well-developed characters. Poor Aquaman. What's that? <laughs> Poor
3: Aquaman. Poor Aquaman. <laughs> <Never gets plans. laughs>
0: <laughs> sorry <laughs> oh aquaman still the butt of all our jokes even after all these years um but you know but i've also seen books where even female characters who are wearing all their clothes still just you know and i'm, I'm not sure what the difference is other than you know, i mean in some ways it's it's how they're posed that that can be a part of it Uh, but a lot of it is just like what they accentuate so one of my problems with the main wonder woman book now for instance is not simply that they uh have sexualized her but they have written her in such a way so that you know all of the complication of her life she she seems to go into one of two modes she either wants to beat the heck out of people who who may not have said anything to deserve it. So she sort of flies off the handle. Uh, or she gets just, you know, o- overly upset and starts crying. So you have uh, you have that kind of, of model of, uh, you know, the woman who is Some just an emotional really mess, you know. Yeah,
3: that to me is almost worse than the over-sexualization. Because I think you can sort of handle some of that in the comic books. Not something I like about it, but it's something that's there. You know, then there's this other aspect of it where it's this female stereotype, you know, you can't have a real woman. She's got to either be screaming at somebody or crying her eyes out like she has monster PMS every 2 seconds. And I think like <laughs> I think it's, it's an odd way of portraying a female character who's supposed to be
2: you know, this powerful Amazon woman. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting to me, uh, and not just to superheroes, but like, say for instance, uh, the woman that Peter Parker ended up marrying, Mary Jane uh, Watson. Oh, yeah. So she started off as this really kind of vivid character. I mean, she was sort of the party girl and, and had a complex family history. But after a while, she just became like, the wife waiting at home for Spider-Man, you know, um, and, 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 and one note. yeah, it, it became one-note, and she she was completely one-dimensional.
3: The concern is more that the women, the female characters, in some of these uh, comics, end up becoming just part of the scenery almost, like yeah. uh-huh. you know, they're stage dressing, and they come in and one uh, every once in a while to move the story along or develop the character, but they're not really doing anything that's market or interesting they're
0: just kind of there somebody brought up I, father matt did you just bring up um women who are wives in the comics that that yeah, yeah. that's interesting to me too um uh, in general how family is depicted but uh, how uh women in in relationships as as wives as mothers as sisters, and so on and so forth, how they're depicted. Do you guys have any thoughts about that?
1: I think there's been good and bad writing in that department. As Matt pointed out, rightly, I think that following Peter and Mary Jane's marriage in Spider-Man, over a course of time, it seemed like they didn't know what to do with Mary Jane, and they just gradually made her one note, as we said. But then there's other instances taking the same character. There was a series called Spider-Girl, which ran... Um, from the late 1990s, Mary Jane in that series seemed to be a much stronger character at times than even Peter Parker was. And she was well-written as his wife. And by the way, their daughter was Spider Girl, who, uh, Mayday Parker, who I thought was another big female character, um, in
2: her own way. Yeah, she was really pretty cool. Well, Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I think that's an issue. I mean, uh. I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm having a hard time thinking of many characters uh, in, in superhero books, at least that have families, uh, animal man, um, animal man is one example of the, of, of the superhero who had um, who had a wife and kids. And, and, and that was an important part of, of his background. Um, but I, I can't think of many others. I, I think well,
3: movies have shown more of that than anything. Like, that was a big part of Avengers, too, which isn't, you know, family becomes a subject in some of these comic books, but mostly as a way of fleshing out a plot point or fleshing out a character's background. But I've had for the first time, you know, you, you do occasionally get into characters who can't have kids, um, can't be married. I mean, that becomes a, a part of the relationship. Or part of their character that hinges on those relationships. And, mm-hmm. um, I can't think of a lot of married, other than Spider-Man, a lot of married superheroes. Um,
1: Superman, guess, yeah.
3: Superman, eventually. Um, the X-Men, there's a few that hook up various times. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> uh,
2: well, I, I think the, the the original Marvel couple was uh, Reed Richards and, and Sue Richards. Yeah, that's
3: right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's um, uh, right.
2: Hank Pym. Oh, and and uh, of course, Hank Pym yeah. is notoriously an abusive spouse. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, which which is uh, it kind of it kind of uh, makes Ant Man's character a lot more complicated. I don't know if they, what they'll do with that in the movie. Sue and Reed Richards ha- um, had um, their their son. What what's the son's name in the band? And but, or Franklin, the, Franklin. I'm sorry. Franklin, yes, yeah, it's Franklin. It's Franklin and Franklin. Yeah as i can recall i mean he was around, he's been around for ages but it's sort of like the kids in downton abbey you know they're like you know they bring them out once in a while to like for tea and then they go back Christ. and they disappear <laughs> and we can get on with the drama with the adults it's uh you know it, they don't really have a huge role to play in, in, in the stories I, I i guess part of that is realistic because i mean if you're a superhero it's probably not the most responsible choice to have children.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we've talked about the portrayal of women, and we've talked about some ways in which it is, it is uh, potentially different than the portrayal of men. My question is, do you all think that there are any ways in which women in uh, comics or, I guess, in other kinds of fiction... Uh, should be portrayed differently. Joss Whedon, I know, famously once, when when asked about how to how why it is that he writes so many women characters and how to do that, he said, "Well, you write uh, write what you would write for a male character and then make it a woman." <laughs> um, and you know, his point, which I think is a good one, is um, you don't just need to write a female character, quote unquote. You write a character. You write somebody who is fully developed. And that person could be male or female, and that shouldn't have much to do with whether or not they're a rounded uh, individual. But at the same time, wouldn't it be strange if there was nothing that was, nothing at all that was different about the experience of female characters? Because I I mean, you know, uh, I mean, the experience of women in the world is different than the experience of men, or at least I assume <laughs> that is the case. <laughs> <laughs> so um so anyhow what what do you all think about that? You
1: know, there's a a lot of thinking that even runs around the church today, taking Paul's passage in Galatians there is neither male and female um, and it sort of wants to conflate men and women and just make men and women the same thing, and clearly, men and women are different. we were created different, and so. I hear what Josh, Josh Whedon is doing in that regard, and there's some merit to it, but at the same time, you don't want to just collapse the two genders into one another. The, as you say, the experiences of men and women are different.
3: I think it's nice to see women being portrayed as women and not just as a female-looking man, because, you know... It, we don't solve problems the same way. We probably don't think about them the same way. I think our priorities are different and and our natures are different and our psychology mm-hmm. is different. So when you think about oh, a woman saving the world as opposed to a man saving the world, they both do it, but they would do it in a different way. And I think that has to come out or if they would do it in the same way, they might have different reasons. I think there's a lot to be said for making separate characters who act You know, the way that I don't want to buy into any gender stereotypes, but, Mm -hmm. you know, that acts in the way that they're made, um, the way that the gifts they're given, I guess, you know, Mm -hmm. they're different.
2: (laughs) I think complex and and, um, realistic women characters, I I, I think we'll see part of that as as more um, women begin to make comic books guys who grow up to become comic book writers have uh, oftentimes not spent a lot of time around women. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, um, and with that, Matt has just alienated the entire male <laughs> comic book writing community.
2: No, come on, guys. You know it's true. Uh, and, I, um, and so uh, you know, their ideas about what women might be like are, 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 are a little...
0: Unlike uh, guys who grow up to become priests... Who, you yeah.
2: know Well <laughs> Or or you know or if you grow up to be a priest who reads a lot of comic books. Right. <laughs> oh. wow.
0: No,
1: your point's well taken, Matt. I mean your point is well taken. Yeah. I think there's truth to that.
0: And you know, the uh to, just to build off of that, there there would be something to be said for uh you know, I mean I, I, I mentioned at the beginning that uh, you know, we talk about women in comics it would be diff- it would be strange for us to talk about men in comics and yet at the same time maybe it wouldn't be so strange to actually think about you know what do our portrayals of of men in comics teach uh young men and young women about what it means to be a man mm-hmm.
2: yeah yeah oh i absolutely there's a lot to be said about yeah. Masculinity in the superhero, you know, and um, you know, just like we get unrealistic ideas about the the physique of of women. I mean. Look at these comic book men. I mean, you could see their rock hard ads through their costume. You know? <laughs> that's right. Well, so nobody's you, got nobody's got
1: dad bod. We'll have that to do. Have a, that's right. Not really.
3: Nobody, nobody outside of comic books is comfortable wearing their underwear on the outside. I think that's <laughs> a blanket statement.
2: That's well, funny. unless unless you're like a wrestler, I think that's the parallel there. Uh, uh, uh
0: well we'll um we'll have to do a whole episode on uh, masculinity in comics and when we do that we we should have three women and one man to talk about
1: it. well I was thinking we should just bring a man on to it has to validate
0: us cause... <laughs> <laughs> uh. okay um, well, so that's that's going to close our discussion for today, uh, but uh, you guys can uh, tell us what you think. Uh, send us some some letters. We always love to hear from you, or you can interact with us at, on Twitter uh, or on our Facebook page. Uh, but that's going to bring us to our last segment today, which is this or that. Now, Emily, uh, you don't necessarily have to stick around for this, but you're welcome to. So, right. Um what we do with This or That is uh, it's just a series of rapid-fire comparisons, Coke or Pepsi, uh, He-Man or Skeletor, you know, um, and you just, whatever's, whatever you think is, whatever's in your heart at that moment, you pick that one. Um, would, would you care to join us? Sure. Okay. Sure. Uh, well, then we're going we're gonna to go into This or
2: That. This or That. This or That. Come on, everybody, let's this or that. Batman or Iron Man? This or that. Spider-Man or Superman? This or that. Boxes or briefs? This or that. DVD or VHS? This or that. Dungeons or dragons? This and that. Moses or Elijah? This or that. This or that. This or that. Come on, everybody, let's this or that.
0: Welcome to this or that. And let's see. Let's see. Who should be first today? Who should be first today? How about Father Kyle? All right. Father Kyle? Lego or Duplo?
2: Legos.
0: Father Matt? Jack Daniels? Or Jumpin' Jack Flash?
2: Oh, gosh. Well, they do seem synonymous to me. Um... (laughs) I'm, I, you know, I, I'm not a big whiskey drinker, but I love the Stones, so I'm gonna have to go with Jumpin' Jack Flash.
0: Okay, I would have accepted listening to Jumpin' Jack Flash while drinking Jack Daniels. That would have been <laughs> Well, we
2: we could do that.
0: Okay. <laughs> Emily, uh, this one is for you. Although uh, I'm now wishing I'd asked one of these guys this question, because uh, it would have been hilarious. Tighty whities
1: uh, or boxers? Is that?
0: No, no, no. <laughs> Heels or flats?
3: Flats. Flats. Okay. I have to walk a block and a half to my office every day, so flats.
0: <laughs> yes. I I would imagine that would be better that way. Based on my experience. <laughs> uh, what are we around to? Father Kyle again, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Father Kyle, garden gnomes or lawn jockeys?
1: Uh, garden gnomes, because garden gnomes usually have great beards, and I'm a big fan of the beard.
0: <laughs> I guess that's as good a reason as any. <laughs> uh, Father Matt, Saint Michael mm-hmm. or Saint Gabriel?
2: Saint Michael, because Saint Michael is is sort of like a biblical superhero. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's a, he's he's the guy that casts the devil out of. Uh, the paradise. So yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go with Saint Michael.
0: Okay, he does have a cool sword, so he's got. Yes, yeah, he does. Him. Emily, uh, we already know Father Kyle's opinion because he's already told us. Uh, but uh, beard or clean shave?
3: Beard. Beard. Which is ad because my husband doesn't have one, but beard, yeah. <laughs> 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 Mustache, if possible. Must just mustache on its own? Yeah, mustache, like the really
1: like the curled, mustache. the sinister in <laughs> keeping with your villain theme, right? You
3: yeah, you know, Snidely Whiplash.
0: So, so like your ultimate, uh, your ultimate man is Magnum PI? Yes. Yes. Okay. Just checking. He's also a Tigers fan, so yeah. He's a Tigers fan. Well, there you go. Have you ever seen, um, I I don't know if it's still up or not, but it used to be the greatest Tumblr ever made, uh, which was uh, Tom Selleck waterfall sandwich.
2: (laughs) Oh, oh, yes. This was so good.
0: I love that site. It was was all just somebody had sat there and photoshopped all these images with waterfalls, Tom Selleck, and a sandwich somewhere in it. (laughs)
3: <laughs> oh, it's That's amazing. Yes,
0: that is what the internet was created for. Is stuff <laughs> like that.
2: The mustache seems to be making a comeback, but it's mostly like an ironic thing.
3: Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. All right, uh, Father Kyle. Yes. Um, although I think this probably would be a better question for Emily. Uh, but I'm going to give it to you, Father Kyle. Maybe Emily okay. can tell what her opinion is. Uh, But the question is, which one of these would be the better cosplay, Richard Nixon or Barry Goldwater?
1: Well, I would probably have to say Richard Nixon, uh, only because he's very iconic in his look. And I don't know what the hell Barry Goldwater looks like. I don't know
3: if anyone would recognize Barry Goldwater. (laughs) Unless you like came with a, like the nuclear bomb ad, is it a Daisy ad? You know, mm-hmm.
2: right. Yeah, when I was Barry Goldwater that year for Halloween, it was big
0: bomb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but oh. <laughs> Emily. Okay. Cape or no cape?
3: I usually go with no cape. I prefer costumes without one.
0: Is there a reason for that? Is it aesthetic or is it? Practical? Too
3: much to worry about
0: when you're going to the bathroom. Ah. <laughs> There's nothing worse than getting
1: your cape tucked well, in your underwear.
0: Well, Speaking as someone who has, uh, at times, had to use a bathroom while wearing a full set of vestments, I can totally <laughs> identify with that. This is yeah. why I think why we don't cosplay, Emily, is because our job basically is cosplay.
3: We get to wear awesome outfits. Yes,
0: exactly. Hey
1: Jonathan, that didn't happen with that cope I lent you, did it?
0: <laughs> uh no, but then again, you know, you're not at that parish anymore, so what do you think? Well, kidding?
2: that's true. That's true. Okay. It's the, it's the new guys problem. That's right.
0: <laughs> a cope, I don't know. Uh Emily, I don't know if you're familiar with the cope as a vestment. Oh yeah. But uh, definitely. <laughs> I can tell you from experience, you really do feel like a superhero when you put that thing on. <laughs> you do.
1: <laughs> I, I, I will confess that I've actually stood in the sacristy before alone when no one was in the church and put the cope on and sort of swung around like a cape just to feel what it would be like to be a superhero. That's my little foray into cosplay, I guess.
2: I feel more like a ten-pound weakling when I put the cope on because it's like I'm like winded. It's like so heavy, and I'm like, "Wow, I, you know, I just I could not go to battle with this."
0: Thing. Do you ever? Do you ever want to do? It would be like,
2: like, John, would be like David with all the heavy armor. Right
0: <laughs> so they used to they used to put the cope on as I mean in the middle of the liturgy, and I I saw a, I served with a priest who did this once. Um, where uh, there were like three of us serving that, that night. It was a Christmas Eve service, and halfway through, he knelt down in front of the altar rail, and the other <laughs> guy came to put the cope on him, and all I could think was James Brown. This is James <laughs> Brown. That's right.
1: <laughs> did he throw it back off immediately? He, he, That's a James he Brown. Did did. <laughs> he did not.
0: He did not. But there we are. Uh, I forget who we're on at this point.
2: I think it's uh, I think it's Emily's, uh, yes,
0: no, she did the- the cape. No the oh yeah.
2: then then Kyle it's me,
0: yeah, okay, father Kyle, super strength or ability to shoot rays from your eyes
1: um, I would probably say super strength, I think that's a much more practical superpower could be put to use in many different ways, although the eye thing would be cool, but it's more limited.
2: Well, you don't want to end up like Cyclops and have to wear those red sunglasses all the time. That's right, or that big yeah. X over his face that he now has. Yeah, yeah, that would that would be a bummer.
3: So if somebody's walking slowly in front of you on the sidewalk, you could just zap them out of existence. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's true. I it that way. Um, I'm get, getting a theme here, Emily, in terms of your feelings about people being around you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah me and people just don't mix This <laughs> is not a good idea
0: <laughs> yeah um, okay so I've only got one more so I'm just going to turn this over to all three of you uh, and you can, you can answer in, in whatever order you like uh, this of course being the last one is the most important of the ones that you've heard so far 18 pounds of grapes or 100 whoopee cushions go <laughs>
3: Grapes. easy.
2: Yeah, well, the I, I I mean, what would one do with that many be cushions? But, but grapes on the other grapes.
3: Grapes make wine. Yes, there you, you
2: go. Could make, yes. you could be like um in 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 the in the movie that uh, was it. You it was Ulysses you know, where where um, Kurt Douglas is, tra- is is in the Cyclops' lair and he's tramping all the grapes. I, I always wanted to do that.
1: Yeah, I'd have to agree. I like a good fart joke, but uh, 18,000 whoopee cushions might might run my uh, sense of humor out.
0: It was 100 whoopee cushions. Let's oh, be precise I'm about this, Father. Don't
1: be ridiculous. <laughs> <I'm old. laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'd have to go with okay. the grapes.
0: Well, that's going to bring us to the end of the show. Uh, Emily, thank you for being on with us today. Uh, is there Thanks is there any me. any place where you want to direct people who might want to find out more about uh, you and what you do?
3: Sure. If you like politics, you can find me on The Spectator. Spectator um, Spectator.org slash blog. Um, if you like culture stuff, you can find me on The Federalist once a week. And Otherwise, if you're in Chicago, you should let me know
0: and, and you you have a Twitter as well?
3: Yep, at E.M. Zanotti. So E.M. and my last name.
0: There we go. Very good. Well, thanks again. Uh, this has been a, a great discussion. Thank you all for, for listening once again to God and Comics. Uh, check out the show at goddencomics.com. you can give the show another listen there. We also put up goodies each week and links to some of the things we talked about so you can explore that and find out a little bit more. You can also find us on Facebook and on Twitter, twitter.com slash and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes and while you're there please think about giving us a rating uh, and a review, it helps other people to find the show. Our theme music is done by Father Paul Wheatley. Hopefully hopefully you are banging your head to it right now. Uh, For God and Comics, I'm Father Jonathan Michikin. I'm Father Kyle Tomlin.
2: (laughs) I'm Father Man Stromberg.
0: And we will see you next time.